NTTB podcast in association with Crossover Radio. Thunder up. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the NTTB Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Alex, joined by my co-host, Anthony. How you doing? Um, kind of want to go ahead, this is the first time we're doing this, kind of want to go ahead and just go give you a little brief rundown on the meaning of NTTB, uh, maybe a little bit of history as far as, you know, where that name came from and maybe what we're associated with. Um, so as far as NTTB, that's associated with my website. Uh, now that's thunderbasketball.com, so that's what the NTTB stands for. And um, we're also associated with uh, Crossover Radio. Um, they're, they're a real good um, internet radio station. Uh, they have real good, clean content, lots of great sports talk on there. Um, you can find them at the App Store, <coughs> excuse me, and on Google Play. Uh, you can also hit them up on Twitter at, at Crossover Online, and then also on Facebook at the crossover radio. Uh, so make sure you give them a check. Make sure you check them out real quick just to kind of see what they're about. Um, it's real good content over there. Go uh, ahead and give them a like on Facebook and give them a like on Twitter. Give us a good follow. And as far as, far as our, our website, um, you can follow me at Alex Roig underscore NTTB. Uh, the Roig is spelled R-O-I-G. And then also you can go ahead and check out our, our Facebook page. Uh, with the same name, now that's Thunder Basketball. Um, so go ahead and check those out. Give us a like. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, got some real good content on there as far as basketball related. Uh, what is your Twitter feed? My Twitter handle is uh, currently Montero. That's M-O-N-T-E-R-O underscore A13. Um, that's uh, Montero underscore A13. Um, still new to the Twitter world. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I will be definitely stepping my game up. <laughs> so go ahead, give us a follow. Um, we'll follow you back, and uh, definitely we'll uh, go ahead and interact with you as far as basketball-related uh, content, Thunder-related content, things of that nature. Uh, so just a little bit of history of, as far as my site. I started my site around 2013, and you know I've kind of been doing this off and on. You know I'm, I'm a regular person, so I have I have a job here or there. I have two jobs sometimes, and um, so I just did this out of out of a hobby, you know, something that I kind of got into whenever the Hornets first got here in 2005, and then when the Thunder got here in 2008, I kind of kept on doing it and kind of stepped my game up and eventually got my own website in 2013. And so whenever I could, I would go ahead and write whatever I was feeling, and I kind of started getting a little bit of Twitter, Twitter following, <clears throat> and then uh, kind of linked up with some people through Twitter. Uh, one of those people was Royce Young who is the owner and, you know, used to be the head writer for uh, DailyThunder.com, which is it's still the premier um, Thunder blog on the Internet. And so... Also currently an ESPN personality. Right? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, he used to run the site, and he needed a little bit of help as far as the pregame content, so I kind of I jumped on there and did that. So I left my site and kind of went ahead and did that with Daily Thunder. And then the following season, which was last year, um, I kind of took over as far as the content manager and kind of ran the site while he was working with ESPN. 
And so, you know, after after this past season ended, um, the website itself kind of went in a different direction. And so I kind of, you know, decided it was my time to go back to my site and maybe take the lessons that I learned through Royce's site and through Daily Thunder and apply that to my site. So this is where we're at right now. We're, you know, doing our first podcast. Um, I'm kind of getting my website restarted. Um, so it's getting a little bit of, moment, of momentum. So make sure you check it out. Make sure you check us out on Twitter, Facebook, like us, follow us, and, um, you know, we'll go ahead and hit up the content with you. Um, so I kind of want to go ahead and just kind of, I, I kind of want to make this a Sam Presti appreciation podcast. You could jump right into it. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. But, I mean, the man has been, has been maligned, sometimes rightfully so. Um, a la James Harden trade. Exactly, exactly. A la the James Harden trade. So it all started there. You know, everything else was good before that. You know, the drafting of Durant, the drafting of Westbrook, Ibaka, the drafting of Harden. Everything came out gold for him then. Uh, so then, we, you know, of course, we made our run, our title run, not title, and uh, the finals run in 2012. And then after that... A very young team. They were babies. Yeah, they were babies, and they actually made it to the finals. But then after that, that October coming up in 2012, he made that deal. So he made the Harden deal. And it always comes back to that. It always comes back to the Harden trade. Um, unfortunately, whenever you look at Presti's record with the Thunder. And unfortunately, he gets a, a, a unfair rap for, let's say, jumping the gun on the on trading James Harden. Maybe, maybe, yeah, definitely. You know, hindsight twenty twenty, you can always look back and say, yeah, we could have gotten a better deal, or they would have they would have won a championship with Harden that same year. You never know. But then you 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 fall you you like you said, hindsight is twenty twenty. You come back to last season. We don't panic. Let's say Sam Presti doesn't panic. He uh, plays this out with Kevin Durant, and he still walks anyway. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's, that's what you kind of risk. And it's kind of two different situations because Durant was an unrestricted free agent. James Harden would have been a, a restricted free agent. So, you know, as far as a team, especially a small market team, you always like to keep your your core guys that you can keep. So you always want to keep those guys that are real good for at least the first seven years of their career. And so... You know, Presti didn't do that with Harden. And, of course, we know what happens from there on in. A couple visits to the uh, Western Conference Finals, never get to return back to the Finals. And eventually, last year, last July, Durant leaves the team. We also, we also have uh, a coaching change in the middle of that, Scott Brooks leaving, Billy Donovan coming in. Yeah, and then we had injuries. I mean, that's – I mean, all, you Westbrook kinda, gets hurt with the Patrick Beverly yeah, uh, incident. Westbrook gets hurt because of James Harden being on that team. Durant was hurt as well with the fractured uh, – after his MVP season, so uh, a lot of hit and misses with the Thunder yeah. in this past season, and a lot of what will Sam Presti do? Definitely, I mean, and definitely just looking at that and saying, you know, whenever you look at that, you can definitely point a target at Presti and look at him and say, okay, well, you know, part of this is chance, part of his bad luck with the injuries, but part of it is, hey, you had this one guy who turned out to be an MVP candidate, and you let him go. Twice yeah. uh, runner-up MVP. Exactly. Yeah. Thus far, twice runner-up MVP. But you let him go. You let him go for a deal that basically netted you Stephen Adams and Alex Sabrinas because the other guys didn't really work out. And that's, I mean, with any trade for a big-time player, you're going to get your hit and misses in those yeah. trades. You're never going to get full value. On no, a you're, ne you're never going to get dollar-for-dollar dollar value on a player like that. Um, so 
he's always been maligned because of that, because of the fact that this Thunder team that was so destined to be a, a dynasty never made it back to the finals. Okay? So, fast forward to this offseason, or let's just even say fast forward to this past week, and I think he's kind of made up for all that. I, I would have, <laughs> look, <laughs> arguably the steal of the summer in acquiring Paul George for Victor Oladipo and Demonte Sabonis. Uh, the, the man is working. Look, he is definitely uh, putting his uh, nose to the grindstone, as they say, and he's on that phone, and uh, he has netted us some, some, some key pieces that kind of jump us up into the uh, second, third, yeah. oh, third spot in the Western Conference. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. And, I mean, just kind of looking at it, you just kind of just, – just looking at what he did with Paul George – you know, the fact that even even looking past, you know, last season, October 31st, that is the deadline to sign your restricted free agents if they want to sign with you. If they don't, then they go into restricted free agency that next offseason. So we had three guys that were in that category, Stephen Adams, Victor Oladipo, and Andre Robertson. So he signed Victor Oladipo. They signed Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams' contract, basically four years, $100 million. Uh, Oladipo's contract, four years, $84 million, I believe. And at the time, Stephen Adams was a no-brainer. Yeah, at the time, Stephen Adams was that's a no-brainer. Victor Oladipo, that's a little bit more hesitation, but still seems like worth it at the time. Exactly. Still seems worth it at the time. And, and you, couldn't really, you couldn't really predict uh, the climate that restricted free agency would have this offseason where – it's basically been a, been a climate where unless you're a wing that can shoot threes and defend, you're not getting a whole bunch of money. you got to play both ways nowadays. you got guys uh, like Marcus Smart who is a liability potentially sometimes on offense but great defensively and in the fourth quarter in yeah. the Eastern Conference Finals or in the NBA Finals in the Western Conference Finals, you're going to basically be subbing in. And with a game that's so high-paced now, there's no way to sub in and out of guys. Yeah, so it's not, you got to you got to play both ways. This isn't hockey. You're not going to be able to. The, the line isn't going to change every time you go up and down the you know the ice. Um, so, so he signed those guys. So he wasn't able to re he wasn't able to, to sign Robertson during that time, which we'll get back to in a moment. Um, but he signed Oladipo. He signed Adams, and of course, Adams didn't really have that good of a year. Um, some of it his fault. Some of it not his fault. And Oladipo signed, and, you know, many people looked at Oladipo's contract and were like, eh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's that great of a contract. But here's where this comes into play, and here's where Paul George kind of comes into it. If they don't do those deals in the offseason, I mean, in, in the regular season, there's no way they get Paul George in the offseason. Well, let's just, let's, let's go back to the, let's get back to the fact last summer, or last uh, April, I should say, during the NBA draft, pulling the trigger and trading a Serge Ibaka in order to get Victor yeah. Oladipo making the moves in order to get these guys. Then he goes into signing these guys. Yeah. And now you have these guys along with trade exceptions, which seems to be Sam Presti's like go-to move and able to acquire these trade exceptions in order to potentially sign other players and get other players in there. Uh, being able to make these moves to get a Paul George, which is, if you watch the reaction of the media of the worldwide press. Uh, Came out of nowhere, according to everybody. Yeah, they came out of nowhere. Apparently, so, this deal has been in the works for a while now. I don't know about that. I, I don't know if it was in the works. I, I know, I know, Presti is the type that he'll lie and wait and pull the trigger at the right time. You know, 
And it's like I always say about Presty. Presty is a master of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like saying, "Look over here. Look at this. Look at this," and then pulling the back door. You know, going into the back yeah, door. Yeah, he's a uh, sleight of hand. Sleight of hand. Yeah, exactly. So sleight of hand during the draft and everything was basically the Chris that Porzingis thing. You know, where oh, the Thunder are interested in Chris yeah, that Porzingis maybe. and didn't and didn't have enough assets for him. And the other one was, let's see, Porzingis. They're interested in somebody else. I forgot. But, oh, Blake Griffin, the whole Blake oh, Griffin yeah, the, thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're going to sign Blake Griffin and might do a, a sign and trade and blah, blah, blah. And Griffin wants to go, you know, might want to go back home, so on and so forth. So everybody's looking in that direction. And he comes around and basically snatches it, let's, Paul George. Let's be honest. He, he pulls the rug right out of Boston. Yeah, he because does. Yeah, everybody had it in mind that Paul George was going to end up in Boston once they got the Gordon right. Haywood uh, uh, deal done, and uh, Sam Presti steps in and basically is like, uh, "No, we'll take that. Thank you." And you know what? Honestly, Paul George is in Oklahoma City because Paul George, in his statement, he didn't just say that he wasn't he wasn't going to not sign. He he, he didn't say in his statement that he wasn't going to re-sign with Indiana the following season. He also added the caveat that he wanted to go to L.A. So whenever he – if he wouldn't have said that, if he would have just said, hey, I'm not coming back to Indiana whenever my contract ends, then the offers would have been much bigger. Oh, he tanked Indiana's ability to yeah, get he anything did. for him. he completely did. So he, the offers would have been so much bigger if he, wouldn't have ha- if he wouldn't have added that L.A. part in there. Whenever he added that in there, basically got, teams were looking at him and saying he's just a rental. Yeah, one-year player. Yeah, one-year player. After that one year, he's going to bolt to L.A. Sam Presley looked at it and said, you know what? What the heck? What do I have to lose? And this is this is so un, this is so not unpresty. This is so an unpresty move uh, for Presty to make. Because Presty is always about having the advantage in dealing with players. Yeah, he likes to lock a player in there. Well, yeah, not just that, but he always, like, whenever he trades for somebody, he trades for a restricted rookie, like a rookie that's going to come up on restricted free agency because he has the ability to either match whatever offer or re-sign them before they head to restricted free agency. So this is this is a very unpressy like move for him to take this chance. But with the culture of the NBA and the way it's kind of going, this is the type of move you, you need to make now. Well, I think that... uh it also helps that Russell Westbrook just came off his MVP season. Paul George has never played with uh, a caliber talent like Russell Westbrook yeah. in his career. And that's, and that's what Presti is probably banking on, is the fact that George has never played with a player of this caliber outside of USA basketball. So maybe a great season, maybe a, a deep run in the playoffs um, to where George says, you know what, I kind of have to resign with these guys. Why do I want to go to L.A.? Why do I want to go back to a rebuilding squad, you know, with Lonzo Ball, with Brandon Ingram? Brandon Ingram, exactly. These guys that are real young are probably going to be real good, but not within the next three to four seasons. So he, he left a situation in Indiana. You mean to tell me he's going to go back to a situation in L.A. that's like that? Now, I understand L.A. maybe has it's his hometown, and well, yeah, there's a stigma, or at least there used to be a stigma and a mystique about L.A., and playing especially for the Lakers, uh, that I guess as a kid growing up in California, you might want to, you know, one day play for your hometown team. But he is in a position, in a situation in Oklahoma City where he's potentially 
uh, facing a deep run in the playoffs, which is something that he hasn't done in a long while. And not only facing a deep run, he's also uh, not carrying the load. He's not worried about taking that last shot yeah. or having to or question the fact that why he didn't take the last shot because we already know that in Oklahoma City, you know, he doesn't need to take the last shot. That's what Russell Westbrook is there for. And he, so, yeah, I mean, it eases the pressure off of him. It eases the pressure. And he can, still, he can still take that last shot. I know he's like 0 for 16 whenever it comes to either game time or game winning shots. But still, you know, Westbrook didn't come into the season having a great uh, track record for making game winning shots either. Well, that's true. But, you know, in, in, in Indiana, he's 0 for 16 as the best player that everybody knows he's getting the ball with the best defender on it. That's true. In Oklahoma City, he may not be facing the best defender because the best defender might be focusing, or the best two defenders might be focusing their attention on Russell Westbrook, thereby leaving him with maybe the second or the third best defender on the team, therefore making that shot even easier, potentially. Yeah, that's true. We could play the, the, the fake. Everybody knows it's going to Russell, and Paul George is out there on the floor and, and just wets it up. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And... I think the, the climate in the NBA now is is one of is one of there's one of hope, and I, I think and I know it's kind of weird saying that whenever you saw what Golden State did, and basically you see that that whole team is coming back, um, but the Eastern Conference is just kind of falling apart. You know, the, the Cavs. I don't know what David Griffin is doing. I, don't, I mean, not David Griffin. I don't know. Gilbert, uh, Dan Gilbert. But Dan Gilbert is doing over there, but. Man, I mean, you fire you fire the the architect of that team, which you, he has never re-signed a general manager. Yeah, yeah. Every time a general general manager comes for, up to an extension, he always lets them go. So he he fired the architect of the championship team and, and the squad that currently they currently have. He hasn't hired anybody since. He lowballed Chauncey Billups. Extreme lowball. We're talking about almost two million dollars less than the average. Yeah. Uh, President of Basketball Operations, General Manager. Like, Chauncey Billups looked at that and said, I'm going to go play big three. Now, I understand, even given the fact that Chauncey Billups has no real you know, GM, history. GM history or play, you know, uh, executive vice president, he has no front office experience. You, you offered the man 1.5? Yeah. Well, and I mean, then you, you came back with two? Yeah. Oh, and no. that's still 50% less than the average entry level everywhere else? Come on now. Yeah, they, I mean, and I, I think I think they lowballed him for a reason. I, I think I think Dan Gilbert is ready to move in a different direction. I don't think he wants to pay a 33, 34, 35-year-old LeBron $40 million a year. Well, I don't think so either. But, you know, he's, they've been known to be the worst, lowest-paying front office in the NBA as it is anyway. Wow. Really? Dan Gilbert is a – he's definitely a unique dude when <laughs> yeah, it comes geez. to uh, – when it comes to the Cavs and what he's trying to do. And you know he's probably riding high off the the championship that last year. from last year. Yeah. You know he he's finally got the you know after what is it sixty five years a franchise is finally in in Cleveland and Ohio has gotten a ring. Oh, he, you he, know since he, the he Browns can, in sixty four. He, he can he can do no wrong for the next you know twenty thirty years. Yeah, the, the guy the guy's a little out there, so it is so. what it is. But if you look at the numbers, that just based on the top fifteen players, fourteen of them are in the Western Conference. Yeah. Only one person remains and in the top lot. fifteen. In the East, and that's LeBron. The, the West has gotten uh, severely stacked, and even though Golden State have, for all intents and purposes, basically brought back their entire roster with a couple of additions to some guys, Swaggy P, um, they re-signed Zaza for one year. They've got some guys coming back. 
the rest of the West has gotten better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oklahoma City has gotten better. Yeah. Houston has Houston gotten better. has gotten better. Minnesota has gotten better. San Antonio has gotten better. So, you know. I'll, I'll get back to San Antonio. I don't think they've gotten better. But well, we'll you get know, back to I it. guess the, the perception of San Antonio has gotten better. Yeah. But, you know, there is a, a hope and optimism, like you said, in the Western Conference. Exactly. That even though everybody's, I guess, playing for number two, that number two on any given Sunday can knock off that number one. Yeah, I mean, the thing the thing with the Thunder, the thing that maybe other teams have not experienced is the fact that the Thunder, you know, a year ago, a year and a half ago, they took a 73-win Warriors team yeah. to the max. They took them to seven games. They were up 3-1. Exactly. So that when they went into that series, basically everybody was looking at Golden State. And even though Curry, yeah, well, even though Curry was coming off his injury, and he, you know, it was a couple games into him coming back. Everybody was looking at the regular season record of three and zero. Whenever they played them in the regular season, everybody thought it was not going to be a contest, and it turned into a contest. You know, the Thunder had a three one lead. It wasn't a contest. The Thunder had them dead to rights. Yeah, and and arguably, you were talking about six minutes in game, game five, game six, or game six. Yeah, Clay Thompson went off. That changes the whole the whole series. You know, Larry Bird used to say uh, when Larry Bird lost uh, to the Lakers in 86, 87, I think it was, um, they were game four and playing in uh, the Boston Garden. Larry Bird had the last second shot that looked dead to right. It was up. It was gone. Uh And he told them ahead of time, I'm going to run to this corner and I'm going to shoot it. That's exactly what he did. And he... Shot it and it perfect. It looks going even. Even Pat Riley at that time was the coach of the Lakers. Thought it was going in. It hits the back rim and comes out. Okay, just killed the momentum there. The Lakers go up three one. They asked Larry Bird off the record. You know, as he's headed to the locker room. You know, do you guys think you have a chance? And he said, Well, if I were up three one, it's over. Mm-hmm. The Thunder were up three one. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. one six minute spurt just changes the, the whole uh, environment of that of one series. One six-minute spurt where Clay Thompson hit everything and Kevin Durant decided that he didn't know how to play basketball anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but that's like, there's, a, there's an aura within the NBA where if you can challenge, somehow challenge the Warriors and get to the finals, you may meet a team in the East that is either new to the finals or is, just a complete shell of what it used to be in Cleveland. So, so that that hope itself kind of makes this trade, you know, a go ahead. Just go ahead and try it this season and see what happens, and we'll play the cards whenever we play the cards in the off in the next off season. But if you wanted to make a trade to to take a risk, this was the trade to make. And not Rudy Gay, not you know, not try to trade for Blake Griffin coming Blake off. Blake Griffin, who's only been healthy, who's only played, I think, a total of. Uh, like fifty something, fifty three games in the, last in the last three seasons. Yeah, and he's coming off a toe injury. That's what a lot of people don't say. You know, this is a guy that he's injured all the time, and he got injured last playoff. And for from what I hear, it was a non contact injury. Oh yeah, it was a toe injury. Yeah, yeah, you know, toe injury. From what I hear, he may not be back to start the season. Now, this is not something that's you know going to take him out till All Star break. Or right, but like you that. know, you're definitely going to want to have your superstar but, back. Yeah, that. And as far as as far as you know preseason as far as training camp things of that nature he's not going to be there he may not be there so he's going to come back basically uh not in game shape so he's going to have to work his way into game shape coming back from an injury that could potentially 
make it that much harder for him to get back into game shape because, you know, a toe for a big man, a guy that likes to fly, is a, a crucial point. Yeah, and remember, the Thunder have had their history with, with toes before, you know. Yeah. The Tyson Chandler, and they, they rescinded the trade because he had a messed up toe. Messed up in their favor. I mean, it, it, it went against them because Tyson Chandler has been completely toe healthy for since then. Yeah. He's had other injuries. As a matter of fact, he went on to uh, help Dallas get yeah, that he, championship. He won the championship with Dallas. Well, I remember that. Yeah. So, okay, so let's kind of veered off track a little bit. So, Paul George. So, we get Paul George for Victor Oladipo, who had that contract uh, that he signed in the season, and DeMontis Sabonis. So, in essence, we traded Serge Ibaka for Paul George. Yeah. Yeah. When it, when it's all said and done, we, we traded... Serge Ibaka for Paul George, and we got and we got Jeremy Grant within there and within that trade also, who uh-huh. is has an upside like nobody else. Yeah, he has a great upside. And it's actually, whenever I look at at Jeremy Grant, I can see somebody that may be able to play that Serge Ibaka role. You know, somebody that can shoot threes, and he's not as big and he's not going to rebound like Ibaka, but he can still off the ball like he can still defend at the rim. Um, it could be that off the ball rim protector um, that any team wants. Right. You know, he's he's long, he's lanky, he's athletic. So any team, <laughs> basically the 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 mold for the NBA now, long, lanky, and athletic. The mold for the Thunder. They've always liked those guys. So so okay. So they do the trade, and within the trade, the Thunder save money. They actually save four million dollars in that in that trade. And that's something that's not really brought up because the Thunder were kind of in. A little bit of problem with their luxury tax and with their money as they far as their salary the goes. Luxury tax limbo. Yeah, they, they were close to it. So you know they didn't have too much money to play with. They didn't have too much money to necessarily um, sign guys after this trade. But with this trade, with the fact that they saved four million dollars, it kind of eased some of that pressure as far as any luxury tax implications or any sal- anything dealing with the salary cap. It kind of helped them out. Okay, so. Kind of want to look at real quick on Paul George before we, we leave that and go to, you know, the next day where you know it seems like Presti has done something every day for this past well, week. You would think that you know you signed Paul George, you added him to the team, and you just that you were, and you'd be happy with it. Yeah. You'd be done. No, no, not 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 Sam Presti, not Samuel. Okay, so I want to look at Paul George and how the Thunder can play now. So with Paul George now, and with, with everybody else that they've signed, which we'll get into. Can they go back to playing their old style? Because kind of kind of coming into the season, into this next season, we kind of looked at how the one season with just Westbrook went, and we knew we didn't want to repeat it because that would just be too much of a burden on Westbrook. Right. You so don't we, want to kill the guy. We, yeah, you don't want to kill the guy. You know, this, this past season was fun. It was great, uh, but it's not something that's sustainable. So you head into this season. You're trying to look for ways to have a team that is more built around somebody like. Westbrook. So coming into it, I'm thinking shooters, I'm thinking defenders on the perimeter, so on and so forth. Or guys that are quick, you know, guys that can keep up with Westbrook. Because yeah. Let's be honest, Westbrook is uh, from from end to end like the ta- like the roadrunner. He's a one-man fast break. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's, there's not too many guys that can keep up with him. So, so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, so they need to bring in shooters. They need to bring in guys that can maybe space the floor, maybe guys that can handle the ball themselves and maybe create for themselves. So they bring in Paul George. Okay, so they bring in Paul George, who may not be the exact replica of Kevin Durant, but he kind of plays the same. He plays the same position. 
He yeah, played Durant light. Yeah, he plays very similar to him. He has a very similar style to him. Uh, so he does a lot of things that Durant does. He's able to handle the ball. He's able to shoot from outside. He's able to play make a little bit. Do you change the way you play now, or do you go back to how you played whenever you had Durant? And, it, and, that, and taking into account the other signings that have come into France, so Patrick Patterson, um, bringing back Andre Robertson. I, I think what you do now is uh, a hybrid of the two because you don't want to go back to the isolation ball that you had when you had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook because it was too predictable, it was too stale. Everybody knew what was going on, right? So last year you had basically Westbrook creating for everybody else, yeah. right? And thereby leading him into getting the triple-double and whatnot. So what I think you can do now, now that you have a Paul George and a Patrick Patterson and those kind of guys, is create like a hybrid. You allow Westbrook to control the flow of the ball. You have now Paul George out there on his wing, which creates space. So you have uh, an ability for almost like a like James Harden did last year with Houston. Okay. You, he can drive the lane and take it to the hole, or he can drive the lane. They collapse on him, and he can kick out. And not only is he kicking out to Paul George, so it's not just one guy. He's kicking out to Paul George. He can kick out to Paul uh, to Patrick Patterson. Yeah. And uh, you've got shooters now, oh, and thereby you bring back Stephen Adams yeah, again. That middle opens up once again. Exactly, and then you dump it down to the big man, the Aussie, or not the Aussie, I'm sorry, the, the Kiwi. Hey, don't do that. Don't do that you, to the Kiwi. You drop it down to the Kiwi, and then he gets his 10 to 12 points off dunks because the lane is open. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, you know, one of the biggest things that I'm going to enjoy from having Paul George and having, having an offense that's actually made and tailor-made for somebody like Westbrook is the fact that, that middle is going to be so wide open for Stephen Adams to do those all that you've done. That's going to be so great, you know. So, so you know the the complaints that were last year were, where Stephen Adams is not progressing. Stephen Adams is not. Stephen Adams worked on his game. You know, I, I've seen I've seen him at practice sometimes. I see him, you know, before games sometimes. Stephen Adams worked on his craft. The problem last year is that he came into it thinking that. Well, Okay, so for three, his first three years, he came into it, and he was learning how to play a certain style. So he played within that, within that style that was needed for the team that had Westbrook and Durant. Right. Okay. So in that third season, he, he began developing the the pick and roll, the, the pick and roll with Westbrook. Right. He was also the fourth man on that roster exactly. because you had Ibaka. So. Exactly. So so you fast forward to last season. And so he's having to come in. Whatever you know, whatever he worked on in the offseason, whatever he does, he's having to come in and basically learn how to play a new role. And for anybody in the NBA, for a big man especially, you're having to learn how to play a new role. It takes time to kind of get used to it. And whenever your offense is not tailor-made for, for the middle to be open, basically, for space, a center is going to struggle. A center who cannot shoot from outside, which Stephen Adams basically is at this point in his career, He's going to struggle with that. Yeah, he's basically a he's basically a, a defensive guy whose offensive game is still developing. He, do, he yeah. started developing, you know, the little Kareem sky hook, and uh, uh, definitely still needs to work on his back to the basket kind of move. Mm -hmm. He's not like a Shaq where he can just spin you around and, and take it to the hole. Uh, it, you know, he's still not only learning to play in the system of three superstars, four superstars, and then eventually just a two-man game with pick and roll, but he's also still developing an offense to go along with it. So, And on top of that, in the midst of all of that, he's dealing with a thumb injury. 
Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, for a big man, their hands are very important, and a thumb injury is killer. And the, I got so frustrated last year whenever, like, and it, it just seems like Adam is, like, not able to palm the ball. I don't, I don't know if he's not able to palm the ball, or, but sometimes he goes up with that one hand, and the, the ball just kind of looks like it's a little bit shaky up there. So, but anyway, that's for another podcast. Um, so, Paul George, my prediction is that he's going to go ahead and, you know, change the way the Thunder play in a very positive way. Um, he's going to make Stephen Adams is going to have a career year. The floor is going to open up. Yeah, the floor is going to absolutely at, open a, up. at a minimum. The floor is going to open up. And, and I'll say something else. I think, I think Westbrook, while his definitely his triple doubles are going to go down next year. I think he will lead the league in assists. Well, I agree with you. I think I think his rebounding may go down because yeah. he's not going to be in the paint as much because he's going to have space. I, I think his assist numbers go up. Yeah, I think he'll be averaging. Especially when you've got a guy, Paul George, I'm looking at his numbers here. Last year was a 39% shooter from three-point. Okay, he averaged uh, 6.6 rebounds himself and 3.3 assists uh, while shooting, uh, while averaging 23 points uh 20 points, I'm sorry, 20 points per game, uh, 20, uh, 20 points per game. So you've got a guy who can knock down the three, statistically speaking, better than the Thunder did, than than, than, than most of the Thunder did last year. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and you've got a guy who can rebound, you know, with Paul George is 6'9", uh, 220 pounds. Yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be very similar to when Kevin Durant was in town. Yeah. It's going to be very similar. Yeah. So, so, so then, okay, so we got Paul George. So we move on a couple days later, and they sign Patrick Patterson. That was Fourth of July, right? The Fourth of July, yeah. yeah. Came down Patrick. Patrick, Patrick so Patterson. they signed Patrick Patterson, and you know there was you know within the time that they got George, and free agency started. So one of the big things that they thought they were going to do was sign Rudy Gay. That's they, one of the, that was one of the big names. And they they had been courting Rudy Gay since last year. Yeah, they've been courting him last year when they tried to tra- trade uh, Cameron Payne. Uh, to Sacramento before he rebroke his foot, so they had been courting him. They, you know, of course he suffered the Achilles injury, but you know, to the Thunder, they're going to go ahead and do their research as far as the medical team goes. And if they feel a guy is not going to be affected by their prior injury, and they can sign him to a value contract, they're going to take a stab at him. They're very much in the same boat as the same philosophy as uh, San Antonio. Yeah, San Antonio. Buford is known to do that all the time. Yeah, either injuries or guys that are off, basically off the trash heap, and they he brings them in. And, and on top of that, uh, we lost Taj Gibson to Minnesota, Minnesota on a two-year deal, and then yeah. we also traded away Demontis Sabonis. So, relatively speaking, we're empty at the power forward position. Yeah. So your next guys would be Jeremy Grant, right? And if you want to get crazy, Doug McDermott. And uh, I guess Ennis Cantor, who played power forward okay. at times. Yeah. Um, but, you know, realistically speaking, you don't have a starting power forward. So yeah. you don't have somebody to give you good minutes. So so the Thunder, my thinking is, they were thinking about Rudy Gay as being a four. Because you take away some of Rudy Gay's maybe mobility, athleticism, as he's recovering from that injury. And those injuries usually take about 18 months to actually get over completely. Um, they're able to play within 12 months. But just the, the it's layoff, still hurt it's still going to hurt. Ache and, yeah. Exactly. So it would, so you have less mobility, you have less athleticism, so might as well go ahead and put Rudy Gay at the four. Rudy Gay is already 6'9", 6'10", already. 
Um, so that was the thinking, but I guess the money didn't didn't work out as far as what the Thunder were offering, what Rudy Gay was expecting. And unfortunately, we had relatively no assets or trade exceptions or cash value in order to do a signing trade with Sacramento. We had nothing they really wanted. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't do a, tra- a signing trade with them because he opted out. Oh, yeah, he opted out. So July fourth comes around, and all of a sudden, we, you know, I see this thing that Patrick Patterson. They signed Patrick Patterson. And what's so good about this signing is three years, sixteen million. The third year is a player option. But again, the smoke and mirrors of Presti. I think. I, I think Presti. You know, he he puts out that he wants a guy, and he puts it out for a reason. I've I've always said that Presti does things knowingly with a purpose. And so he put out there, oh, Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay. And he comes around the back door again and signs Patrick Patterson. You know, and he signs him to a very quality contract. This is not going to be a superstar. Patrick Patterson is not a superstar. Patrick Patterson is a role player. So Patrick Patterson is going to come in here. He's going to average six to seven. Ten points would be great. I'm looking more around seven or eight points. He's going to shoot about 60% of his shots from three points. So he's going to be a spacer. He's about a 33, 34, 35% three-point shooter. Um, the guy is basically what you want out of a power forward, what they were looking for out of DeMontis Sabonis. And Todd Gibson, I love Todd Gibson. He brings, you know, veteran leadership. He brings a defensive attitude to the team. But he wasn't helping Westbrook offensively. He wasn't going to space the floor. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't what the team needed. You know, he, he was great as far as locker room goes, but he wasn't what the team needed. Patrick Patterson, on the other hand, he's somebody that can work within the, the framework of a Westbrook-led team. Yeah, uh, last year's numbers with the Raptors, he scored six points <laughs> per game. Uh, he was forty percent from field goals, and again, thirty-seven percent from the three-point, four-point-five rebounds, one-point-two assists. Um, 0.6 steals and 24 blocks. So uh, basically a, a, an all-around type of guy um, that not only can uh, go in and bang with some of the big dudes because I've seen some of those Raptor games, you know, against Cleveland in the finals and stuff like that. Um, but he, he can spread the floor. So now we're talking about Westbrook as a three-point shooter, Paul George as a three-point shooter, Patrick Patterson as a three-point <coughs> shooter. You know, you got three out of your five guys out there on the wing. Yeah. And, um, you know, Andre Robertson is out there on the wing, but he's not necessarily drawing the attention of defenders right now. Um, he, you know, he's not that great of a three-point shooter, but he can make them. He can, but I mean, with with this personnel now, you can go back to having Andre Robertson being a, a screen setter. So you have him be a screen setter and be a roller, and so his guy has to stay with him. Somebody has to stay with him whenever he's rolling to the basket. Yeah, there's no more double teams. You, you're not going to see, yeah. um, you know, Nobody oh, within definitely. twenty feet of Andre Robertson anymore. Yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna see Andre Robertson out of the three point line and his guy in the paint, daring him to shoot. Exactly. Yeah. So you're not gonna see that anymore. Okay. So Patrick Patterson fits with the Thunder need, the value contract. Again, another great move by Presti. Okay. So then we move on um, a couple days ago, and Robertson, um, his he gets extended. He gets his. Uh, his uh, rookie deal basically extended. So <clears throat> it's three years, $30 million. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, average of $10 million a year. Um, the initial offer uh, around October 31st of the previous season was four years, 48. 
he didn't sign that. He wanted to see what his market was, and that's fine. <clears throat> but the money wasn't there this offseason. This offseason is basically atoning for the sins of the past two offseasons. And so yeah. GMs and teams are a lot more frugal this offseason with their money than they were the last two whenever they had money to spend. Yeah, when the new uh, NBA contract came Yeah, in. with the TV money came in. Okay, so Robertson comes back into the fold. Great contract for, for Robertson. Um, some may say, oh, you know, the guy still can't play on the offensive end. But people that say that don't understand his value to the team. The guy's the second team all NBA defense. Yeah, and especially in a league filled with guys like perimeter players that are that are great offensively. You need a guy like Robertson out there. You need a guy, and he, he, he gets to switch back to his shooting guard role, um, and he gets to play more of a power forward position uh, because of the spacing that he has out there on the floor. Well, let's look at this as well. Uh, last year during the uh, Houston Rockets Thunder Series, Robertson primarily was stuck on James Harden. Yeah. Harden played 41 to 43 minutes in those games. Robertson was on him pretty much Every the time. moment he was in the game. Now you have a guy in Paul George who is a great defender. Mm -hmm. And you have a guy uh, with Robertson who's in there. So now not only are, is Robertson going back to his you know, natural shooting guard position where he can set screens, he can be the role man, he can follow in behind, he can get the rebounds, mm -hmm. you know, those long rebounds. He's also a guy that doesn't necessarily have to be the primary defender on a team, so there he gets his rest. So now you have like a one-two combo yeah. with Paul George and Andre Robertson mm -hmm. in defending the other team's best players or top two players. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the top teams. It's not it's not big men that are that are ruling the land. No, it's, it's guards. You know, it's guards and wings that are that are the the best players. And in even, the, and the, even most, the the most impactful. Even players. the big men that are roaming the land are linked. They're not yeah. Shaq type big men. Yeah, you have you know you have somebody like like Carl Anthony Towns, and the reason why he's effective in this game is because he can step out and hit a three. Yeah. And Joel Embiid step out and hit a three. The originator Kevin Love. <laughs> Yeah, Kevin Love. Yeah. So, so again, another great move by by Presti. And it's always been said that Presti, you know, the Thunder needs somebody to make a, to to take less money to to be the sacrificial lamb to keep a team together. And so I think this move by Robertson was kind of that move. You know, he it, it's like they always say when it comes to free agency. You only take it only, it only takes one team to offer you a big deal. So, you know, you still had Brooklyn out there. You still had, you know, a couple other teams that had some cap space. It still only takes one team to to make, you know, Robertson a deal of, let's say, twelve million dollars a year, thirteen million dollars a year. That would make that would probably give the Thunder hesitation. AKA the Knicks signed resigning oh Tim Hardaway to four years, seventy one million dollars. What in the world was that? Anyways, I'm not a fan of the Knicks, but I, I am a fan of smart basketball and, and smart management, and that was not a very smart move. But anyways, regardless, we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, but yeah, this, this is this is a move where Robertson kind of becomes that guy that sacrificed, that Danny Green guy that took less money in order to keep the core of the team together. And so, you know, bravo to him, even though he may not be able to tip that well in public. I'm joking. Um but bravo to him for doing that because that, that that really helps the Thunder out as far as their future um, cap situation. Well, it also it also, I guess, 
reverts back to lending credibility to, you know, the Thunderfront office and the organization and the culture yeah. that a guy is wanting to stay here because he sees uh, the potential and he's been part of the potential of what is uh, Oklahoma City basically on the horizon. And maybe he likes playing with Westbrook. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, that's, you know, somebody who likes him to play with Westbrook. You know, who knows? You who, know. who knows? You know, because Westbrook is that a... Uh, According to some people that play in San Francisco, you know, Oakland. That selfish guy, right? Yeah, that selfish guy, you know. Yeah, so, so Robertson did a good thing. He got paid. You know, this is a guy that Thunder took a chance on, uh, taking him 26. And so he got his money. So now, good for him. Good for the organization on that. Here's the question for you. Does Robertson's game offensively develop with the additional space, basically, is what we got? You mean his perimeter game? Yeah. No. Well, just, you know, uh, maybe, you know, he d develops a, a, a mid-range shot somewhere in the 15 to 17 range. I don't think so. I, I think Robertson is what he is. And I think his value lies on the defense, defensive end of the floor. Offensively, He's a garbage man. You know, he, he can maybe get you a three-pointer here and there. You know, you celebrate whenever that happens. You don't want him shooting as many three-pointers this year as he did last year. You hesitate when he does? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. But he's a garbage man. You know, he, 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 he runs the baseline. He gets open, you know, open dunks, good fast break player. And so that's what, that's what I, I don't, you know, four years into his career, still trying to develop a three-point shot, still trying to develop a consistent free-throw shot. I don't think you're going to get it. Um, and then yesterday, was it yesterday? Two days. Uh, yeah, yes, it yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Ray uh, McFelton. So, you know, one of the one of the bigger needs of this team was backup point guard. You know, and even though, you know, to, to some, to, you know, to just a, a random person, that may seem like like something that's not really of a, a big need for a team. But if you looked at this team, and you looked especially at their series against the, the, the Rockets, the team lost the series. The, the Thunder lost the series whenever Westbrook sat. Whenever Westbrook sat on the bench to get his rest, every lead that they had dissipated. Any deficit that they had head, heading into that increased. I think the Thunder had the highest plus-minus uh, percentage when Westbrook went to the bench. Yeah, the on-off with Westbrook. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was terrible. And, you know, Samaj Kristen gets a lot of the the brunt of that. And I like Samaj. I think he's a good young point guard. And when I say good young, I mean a good developing point guard. I think he, he has a niche in this league as a defender. But you, if you want him to develop, he has to be on a developing team. This is not if the you, team for him. This, I, mean, well, I mean, that, that wasn't the role for him last year. And you also have North Cole, which oh it didn't didn't work out as well as the at the time of the signing. You know, you thought you know you got a guy who's won rings in Miami yeah. with LeBron. He's kind of developed on the job, and I mean, you know, LeBron at the time is still the the best player in the NBA, right? So no better learning opportunity than from him. And he comes in, and it just it just doesn't seem to fit. Just doesn't seem to work. I hope I hope Norris Cole gives. Whatever paycheck he gets, I hope he gives half of it to LeBron. <laughs> because it just seems like the guy is... Like LeBron, LeBron just had that ability to make certain players look good. And so whenever they go sign with another team, like the Spurs do this too. The Spurs have, a, have this ability to make certain players look good in their system. And so other teams sign them and they bottom out. 
Yeah, like, well, George Hill, I guess, would be your example of that. No, 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 George Hill. Well, but did okay. But once he left the Spurs, there was he kind of lulled for a little yeah. bit, and then finally, when he was in Indiana, kind of just burst on. You look at somebody like Tiago Splitter. Okay, yeah. You know, Tiago went to Atlanta. Yeah, he's, he's been he hurt in Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, he was in Atlanta. So he's been hurt a little bit, but uh, he he didn't look as effective in Atlanta as he did in San Antonio. Hey, San Antonio got uh, Bargnanovich. Got him paid. That's true. That's another guy. Yeah, he got him. You know the 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 Bogdan. No, no, Maravich. Maravich. What's it, Maravich? Yeah, no. Boban. Boban. Bo- yeah, Bo- yeah, Boban. Yeah, got Boban paid. Yeah, seven was it, three years, twenty-one million. So right. he got seven million out of it. He, and he was willing to turn it down, and pops like, no, you got you got to take this money. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So so LeBron just has that ability to make other players look better than what they really are. And so whenever we signed North Cole, I was like, hey, great. We get somebody that has championship experience, somebody that can hit that shot. North Cole could not do that at all. No. He couldn't. So this is, this, again, this fills the need. It's, it's, it's like it's like Presty came into this offseason with a checklist, and he has checked off everything that they needed. Well, here's from the signings that we got and from the deals that Presty has been able to make, here's what we have. We have a backup point guard now in Raymond Felton who can run the offense when Westbrook is off the bench. We have Paul George who can run the offense uh, when Westbrook's on the bench. He's a guy that can can run the plays on his own. He can make for himself and make for others. Mm-hmm. And so, you, and so uh, thereby not only um, allowing both players to work together, but also allowing each individual player to at times take over the game individually. Yeah, and you don't have a situation, at least on paper as it stands right now, you don't have a situation where you're worried about the lead when one of the guys is out. They they used to do that with a player. What was his name again? I think he plays in the Bay now. Uh, they used to do that with the Red. I, I think so. I think yeah. they used to second. You know, and people used to complain about why why is uh, one going out before the other. And, That's why. And and when you know, but it it is what it is. You know, and before that, you had. A guy which even makes James Harden that much more valuable because you had a guy yeah. in James Harden who was coming off the bench, arguably, uh, well, not arguably, a starter talent that you had coming off as a sixth man, and that dude would just take over the game. Yeah, oh, yeah. Until KD and Russ came back in the game. His third season, whenever he won um, sixth man of the year, oh. man, every time he came into the game, it just seemed like whatever lead the Thunder had, he would go ahead and increase it, or whatever deficit they had. Whenever Westbrook and uh, Durant had to sit, he would go ahead and chip into that lead. It was, it was, that it, was it was basically whatever you can do, I can do better. Oh yeah, it was great. I mean, that that's that's part of the reason why they made it to the finals that year is because his play improved that much to where he became somebody that they can depend on. Somebody that you know, whenever he was in the game, give James the ball. You know, if, if you remember, what was a game five, I think, uh, in the Western Conference Finals against San Antonio. He hit the big shot at the end. Yeah. That basically won them that game. Yeah. You know, three okay. pointer. So so yeah, so you know, you have you have this checklist and Pressy has gone through it and marked off every checklist and he hasn't had to get rid of other pieces. So whenever you look at it, whenever you look at a guy like Ennis Canner, Ennis Canner, he usually receives most of the brunt and most of the this guy needs to be traded, this guy needs to be off the team. Ennis Cantor goes back to being a luxury now. He's not a necessity. Last season, he was a necessity. We needed his 17 points off. The you know, bench. 10, 10 to 15 points off the bench. We yeah. needed his, you know, five to eight rebounds off the bench. We needed him to take over 
whenever Westbrook was out of the game. And get to the free throw line because, you know, for as big of a guy as he is, that man has the ability to get to the free throw line. Yeah, nobody does. else's business. And so now, Cantor goes back to being a luxury. And so that contract that you look at it and you're like, man, we need to trade this guy basically into somebody else's cap space. We no longer have to do that. And, and from, for everything that I hear, the team went into the draft basically this season and said, look, we're paying the tax this year. So if you're, if you're saying you're paying the tax and you're going to go ahead and trade cancer, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You're, you're talking out of both sides of the mouth when you say that. So cancer's going to be on the scene. Yeah. Unless a trade comes around to where, number one, we can save money, and number two, we can get an effective either two-way player or a wing or something like that, Cantor's going to be on this team. And he's going to be a luxury. He's going to be somebody that, you know what, if we play the Warriors, if we play the Rockets, we can sit him and not have to feel like, oh, crap, you know, one of our main guys is not playing. We're paying, we're paying him X amount of dollars yeah. and he's not in the game. Hey, he's making his money. This is, this is the last guaranteed year of his contract. He can go ahead and opt into the next year. Uh, next season, um, but he he goes back to being a luxury. Abrinas, McDermott, Grant, they become role players, but they become luxuries also. You don't need to have Abrinas develop that quickly. You know, he can go ahead and kind of still develop at whatever pace he needs to develop and at he to be a, a shooter. In the for being forced to develop as, as quickly as they had to last year, Abrinas and McDermott did well. Oh, McDermott! McDermott surprised me in the playoff series. Like the moment was not too big for him. He he stepped up and he made a couple big threes during that during that series. So that I mean that bodes well um, for him. Uh, he he's going to be one of those players that comes up on restricted free agency this this next season coming up. So it'll be interesting to see what the Thunder do with him. You know he may just be a piece that they have that they can use from time to time, and maybe you know whatever happens in the off season happens in the off season. Um, but he really impressed me during the playoffs. Um, so, so he, so Presti has checked off all these boxes. He's doing great. You know, we got, we, we still have players. We still have our cupboard is still full. Um, kind of looking at what we have currently. So with Terrence Ferguson, the rookie that we drafted, um, more than likely we're going to sign him. Um, and Samaj. I mean, eventually he'll get his clearance letter. Yeah, eventually, but. eventually he will. And Samaj has a a team option that has to be invoked by the 15th of July. It's only for, I believe, $1.3 million. Yeah, it's only for $1.3 million. So, I mean, as a third point guard, that's the role that I see for Samaj. It's relatively inexpensive. Yeah, oh, yeah. For a third point guard. Definitely. So, and a guy that you know that, that can play. He may not be able to play effectively for big minutes, uh, but if you stick him out there and say, hey, just go ahead and play defense and handle the ball as best as you can, he's He's, a, he's an okay point guard. You he know, can so. eat up minutes for you. Yeah, he's a third point guard. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, probably play with the blue a little bit next year. Um, but, yeah, so you have – so up to this point, uh, we have 14 players signed if you're going to include Kristen and Ferguson. So, Old Man River, Nick Collison. <laughs> the rock of the rock of this uh, baby organization. Yeah, the uh, – one of the faces on the uh, on the Mount Rushmore of Thunder Thunder lore. So, does he come back this year or not? You know, I don't. I honestly don't know. 
because if he's coming back, he's only coming back as basically a locker room guy. Because he's not going to get on the court a whole lot. Um, and if he's coming back, it's for potentially the uh, the chance of, you know, getting back to the NBA Finals again. Yeah, I mean, team. yeah, I mean, just, I mean, just kind of looking at this team, they're going to keep that one roster spot open. Until, which they've been known to do which they've in been the known, past few years. Yeah, but I, I think I mean, they're going to keep it open throughout this offseason, just to make sure something doesn't come along that they can take advantage of. You know, they still have the uh, the trade exception from the Ilyasova to Philadelphia trade that netted them uh, Jeremy Grant. They still have, I believe, $4.9 million of that trade exception. So if something comes along that can make them better, they might, they might want to use that. So I guess the question is, do the Thunder bring back Nikolaisu? You know the, uh, the the sappy Thunder fan in me wants them to bring him back so bad, and I mean if they bring him back, he's coming back for the vet minimum. He's not going to sign some right. It's not big. We're not talking about three million dollars per year or anything like that. It's going to be about two point three, uh, which is the vet minimum for somebody that has at least ten plus years in the NBA. Do they bring him back? I don't know. Maybe they want to. They want to try Dakari Johnson. I mean, the, the thing about the Thunder is they're very loyal to the guys that are in in their system. And so Dakari has been on the, the Oklahoma City Blue for the past two seasons. And so they've been known to have a pattern with their second-round picks where they, you know, let them develop for about two years, and then they sign them. They did that with Samaj. They did that with Houston, too. They did that with Houston. And so it wouldn't surprise me if they do that with Dakari, who – had a pretty good summer league. Oh, he was trying to make a roster this year. Yeah, he's trying to make a roster this year. And, I mean, the only roster that he can make is the Thunders unless he gets traded uh, because they hold his rights. Um, but it might be time to just go ahead and be like, hey, you know. We appreciate what, we you appreciate what you've done. We hope that whenever you're done with your career, you can come back and sign a one-day contract with us and retire as a member of the Thunder. Um, but, you know, just time and yeah, it just might, you know, if you want to go ahead and play play more in the NBA, it, it may just be time for you to go somewhere else. You know, as hard as that's going to be, uh, it's kind of what needs to happen nowadays in, in this in this type of NBA. You need, you know, pace and space guys. Yeah, you do. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with Collison. Very interesting. Um, so did you watch any of summer league? I have seen a couple of the uh, first two summer league games. The the last few I didn't get to watch. So you saw the victories, and that's about it. I pretty much bandwagon. <laughs> so so yeah. So the Thunder just finished up summer league in Orlando. <clears throat> uh, they won their first two games, lost their last three games. Not too much can be gleaned from it. Um, Samaj looked a lot more confident out there, and looked he looked he looked like he was a lot more offensively aggressive. Um, Houston is the ultimate glue guy. The ultimate you know, role player. You know, he was out there hitting threes. He was out there, you know, defending. Um, Dakari was very good as far as you could tell. Dakari's trying to get on. He's trying to get he's on the trying. He's trying to get to the show. He's trying. I, I just, I just worry that like his game is from five to ten years ago. You know, if he if if he would have played, if he would have been available five to ten years ago, he would have got an NBA contract quickly. You know, talking about the uh, early uh, 2010s. Yeah, just early, just the 2000, mid 2000s to about 2010, around the time whenever 
you know, Lakers are still winning championships whenever you still have big men out there. Basically right on the right on the heel of the whole decision and the whole pace and space yeah. pace and space birth. Exactly. So what was the decision? Two thousand ten? So probably about two thousand five or two thousand ten. Um, if he would have been playing during that day, he would have been available to play during that time, he would have got an NBA contract. Um, but it's just man, those big guys it's just it's not this league is Kind of like the NFL with running backs where they're not taking them in the first round hardly anymore. And, and basically guys that are unsigned are making NFL rosters as, as running backs. Big men are kind of falling into that type of... If you're a, if you're, if you're a big man, you better, you better have handled like a point guard. Oh, if you're a big man, you better be able to step out and hit a three. <laughs> or you better be able to switch onto a guard on the perimeter. Now, here's, here's a question for you. <laughs> Is this better or worse for the NBA uh, you know, or are you a guy that just adapts to you? You understand that the NBA has periods. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, a period of big men, period of winning. I looked at these finals this year, and I hardly, I hardly watched any of them. I'll be honest with you, but just looking at the scores, every game was like a hundred. 20 to 110. Oh, yeah. If you, didn't, if you didn't score at least 110, it was an off night. Oh, yeah. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. So I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. You know, I, I grew up I grew up in the NBA of the 90s. So I grew up in the NBA that had the Bulls, the Knicks, the Pistons, the... Uh, Arguably the best uh, NBA Finals theme song on the NBA on NBC. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely that, yeah. That's, that's something that always plays on my phone. But, you know, I, I grew up during that time, and I... And I I really enjoyed that, but I can understand how a game that finishes 87 to 91 is boring compared to a game that finishes, you know, 117 to 123. I can understand that. I can see that as far as aesthetics, you want something that moves faster and scores more than something that's more rough and rugged yeah, and slow and slow, slow and thuggish. Slow and just and it just looks like bad basketball, you know. So. I, I get it. I get why it's more aesthetically pleasing, but I don't know if I necessarily. Well, no, I'm, I'm not going to say like it. No, no, no. I, I, I enjoy it. I just don't necessarily like the fact that the big man is being phased out of the game. And I mean, the big man has always been a staple of the game, and they're being either either phased out or they have to adapt to a more guard-oriented well, style. They have style. to adapt because. For the last, I want to say three years, mm-hmm. um, in the All-Star selection, it's no longer yeah, center, center yeah. post player, forwards, and guards. It's backcourt, frontcourt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so you had the All-Star lineup that didn't start a single center, I believe, this year. I think you had Kevin Durant and LeBron James jumping off at half court. I think for the NBA to start yeah. the NBA All-Star game. I would, I would have loved to have seen what what Shaq would do in this NBA. He'd get fouled out. He would foul out. Maybe. I wonder if he, uh, you know, I wonder if he could guard on the perimeter. I wonder if whenever, like, let's say they played the well, Warriors. Shaq, you know, people, if, you know, when you think of Shaq, mm-hmm. you think of the Lakers Shaq, who was a little bit bigger, bigger framed. When Shaq was signed with Orlando, that dude was, yeah, for, his, for his height and yeah. for his body build, he was skinny. He was half of what he is. And he was running down the court. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he was a guy that was sprinting down the court on a fast break and being faster at than most seven guards. two, yeah. almost three hundred pounds. Yeah, that's true. That's that's very true. But I I wonder if that Lakers Shack could could function as NBA. No, he I, would I, thought I think so. Lakers Shack. Lakers Shack was a fan of the uh, little elbow hook to to spin yeah. move. 
and you you can't do that in today's NBA. It's just it's you know that they just they don't especially as tall as he is. That's coming to your face. He gets flagrants all the time. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. All right, so one more thing about summer league. So Terrence Ferguson, he he didn't play at all. Um, he was scheduled to play in it, but he didn't play. Reason being is because guys who play internationally they have to receive a clearance letter uh, from FIBA saying that I guess they're cleared to play in the NBA. So making sure that their contract it's not a contractual dispute between their their overseas team and the NBA team. He has yet to receive that, you know, as of summer league, you know, whenever summer league was going on, he hadn't received that letter, so wasn't able to play during summer league. So it's not that he's injured, it's not that he didn't want to play as being a diva, it's just that he couldn't because... Not that there's a contract dispute either. No, yeah, no contract. The deal's pretty much done. We're just waiting on the FIBA clearance. Yeah, I mean, rookie, rookie contracts, I mean... Whenever I hear about a dispute about a rookie contract, I usually it's I, I it's just cheap, you know, because you're talking it's, about it's, you're, basically you're, what you're uh, talking about is guaranteed money or how much money you're getting up front, yeah. as opposed to because the the length and the amounts are pretty much capped off already. Yeah, the amount they have a certain amount, and you can go up twenty percent over it or twenty percent under it. Most teams sign their their rookies to one hundred and twenty percent of of whatever their value is. You know, so that's never. I, I don't. That might that might have been an issue one time with the Thunder. I forgot who it was. I don't know if it was Reggie Jackson. I don't know if it was. It, it might have been Byron Mullen. Um, but other than what, that, a, a great talent, a great mind. Yeah, watch out, by the Thunder. Watch out now. I don't know what happened with that trade, but. Um, but yeah, but so he should be signed. I mean, I wouldn't worry too much about that. But when we're talking about players that haven't signed yet. Russell Westbrook. Are you worried that he hasn't signed his extension yet? Now that we see that James Harden signed his big-time extension and Steph Curry has signed his big-time extension. Am I worried? I, I'm not worried, honestly, because mm-hmm. I think that, especially since it's Paul uh, George trade, and we're talking about Westbrook's deal is somewhere in the range of four years, or uh, five years, $201 million, I think it is. Somewhere, he's in, the, yeah, he's, somewhere. Quality, he's in the Supermax area. So we're talking yeah. about a lot of money. Am I worried about him signing? I don't, because I honestly think that given the Paul George trade and given the potential of being so much better mm-hmm. than we were last year, I think he would take a little bit less to get another guy. That's 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 actually my sneaky uh, suspicion is that you know he's actually here's here's the thing about Westbrook and a lot of people look at Westbrook and they look at the way he plays and they look especially when he was younger um, how it, it was all athletic ability and all just you know, just gun ho and, you know, eyes down, charge forward. Um, the guy is very smart, number one, very intelligent, and he's very in tune as to what the Thunder needs. He has a very good relationship with Sam Presti. He has a very good relationship with the assistant GM, Troy Weaver. He's very in tune as to the direction that the Thunder want to go in, and he's very in tune with what he needs to do to help them out. Um, he, you know, during his first extension, he took a little bit less than the max so that they could possibly keep Durant. Keep, not, not keep Durant, because Durant signed before him. Keep uh, Harden at what, the time. Was it the Baca? It might have been a Baca. Or it might have been, yeah, might have yeah, been but, but to have money available for either Harden or Ibaka to be signed. So he took a little bit less than the, the, the max. It might have been $5 million, It might have been $10 million, I don't know. Uh, it wasn't some astronomical amount. He wasn't being a charity case either. But 
he did leave money on the table to help the Thunder out. So I think seeing that as a history of him and seeing how, how he is with this organization, how he is with this city, um, I, I think that he would be willing to not necessarily have to make, what is it, $47 million per year that Harden's going to make the last year? Harden's final year of his contract you know how bad, you know how, how bad it's going to strap the, the Rockets? I mean, let me tell you, the Rockets. The Rockets are, they're run very well. Daryl Morey is a crazy genius. Yeah. But. He's all about finding the best player available at the time. Well, you know the only player that's left on that team from when Harden started out on, on the Rockets? That would be James Harden. <laughs> I was going to say, I want to say Ryan Anderson, but I don't think that's right. No. Patrick Beverly was the other guy that was the oldest tenured player on that team, and now he's playing for the Clippers. So, Jay, so that, within, has it been four years? Within four, four years, years yeah. that team has completely fleshed out. Turnover. It's a high turnover within that team. You know, so that's a good, I mean, that could be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing as far as chemistry, chemistry goes. You know, you saw that with Dwight Howard and James Harden. They brought him in, it didn't quite work out. Yeah, but I, I think that Harden, uh, Howard, at the time that they brought him in, it's not the same Howard that they were looking for in order to run what Mike, what essentially is Mike Santoni's the pioneer version of the pace and space, yeah. which is what D'Antoni is basically known for, and Eric Folster basically perfected mm-hmm. down in Miami with Pat Riley and LeBron. And then, uh, Popovich. Yeah, and then, yeah. so uh, I think how uh, Dwight, Dwight was a bad fit for the team. And now that you have um, so that didn't work, so they ship them out, and then you bring in other guys. You, uh, you're you able to get uh, Clint Capella. You're able you sign Nene. Yeah, I mean, they, they've been able to recover yeah, very you, well. You they've recover been. pretty quickly, and then you develop into basically, uh, you decide, let's get rid of our point guard. James, you got the ball in your hands, and then he ends up oh, yeah. doing what he's doing last yeah. year. So Yeah, so, so you basically, Houston ends up being the, uh, the Phoenix Suns seven seconds or less, but on steroids, you know. Better shooters. Better shooters and, and a better, I would say, better point guard than Steve Nash. I know that might be, you know, that might be a, a no, little bit I, I, you know, it's a little sacrilege, but, sacrilege but I, I think I think in all fairness, uh, James Harden has better numbers, and I think he is a better oh, point yeah, guard. Definitely. And at least a definitely more athletic point guard. You know, the guy has perfected the, the Euro step and perfected mm-hmm. his ability to get to the line 15 to 20 times a game. That's almost an automatic now, given his... Yeah. Uh, you know his ability to to just get to the line and draw contact. So, uh, yeah, he's a lot better than than Steve Nash in that regard, and a lot better um, than the than the Phoenix Suns in their ability to uh, get balls up. First of all, get up and down the court quickly, and and just get shots off. And then they were able to Daryl Morey was able to get Lou Williams from the Lakers. Yeah. And so you you have a Lou Williams, you have a Ryan Anderson, you have a James Harden. You know these they're just <laughs> raining threes. They were basically the only other team that can compete. If not outshoot uh, offensively with the Golden State Warriors within the Western Conference, because I think yeah, I yeah. think Cleveland shot more threes than Golden State did, but yeah, within the Western Conference. So, I mean, that's basically all I got on the Thunder this this week. Um, I think Presti has done a great job. Um, I think you know I think he's checked off every every bullet point that he needed to check off. He's checked it off this offseason. I'll be interested to see what he does 
to that final roster spot, and I'll be very interested, interested to see whether he keeps Samaj Kristen. Like I said, that uh, that contract can be opted into by the team by July 15th. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, what happens there. Uh, but kind of looking around the league real quick, um, your boy, Kevin Durant, he takes almost $10 million less. He's such a martyr. He's such a good guy. That <laughs> he, guy, I tell you. He takes about $10 million less Man. to resign with the Golden State to help them keep players. They end up uh, keeping... Kevin, Kevin Durant and Jesus Christ. That's, you know, <laughs> they end up keeping Andre Iguodala. They resign for Julia for yeah. one year. They, uh, David West, I believe, is going to resign. Yeah, resign. Uh, so they, they got go. Nick Young. They got Swaggy P. Yeah, and they signed Swaggy P for the... Uh, uh, 5.3, 5.3. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, they re-signed Eagle Dollar. They re-signed Livingston. They're bringing back their whole team, except for, I believe, it's just Ian Clark. You know, James Michael McAdoo isn't coming back. You know, so those guys are coming back, and they're being replaced by, um, I believe, they signed Omri Kasti, uh, the Jewish yeah, uh, player, yeah. and then they signed uh, Nick Young. So they reloaded they reloaded pretty well. I mean, Ian Clark, who would you rather have? Ian Clark, James Michael McAdoo, or Nick Young and uh, Omri Caspi? Well, Nick, Nick Young and Omri Caspi, both guys are, you know, great players. And Nick Young, he's uh, never been shy to shoot a three-pointer, <laughs> to say the least. Did you hear what they asked him whenever they said, uh, they asked him, they said, hey, you know, so you're joining this team, you're going to need to pass a lot. I mean, how do you feel about that? And he basically went into swaggy P mode and was like, not passing. I'm gonna be the most wide open I've ever been in my career. Why would I pass? <laughs> I just thought it was. I it's, thought it was hey, it's definitely a guy that's not afraid to shoot no, three. But then he becomes a defensive liability on the other end if you're ever in a game yeah. uh, where you have to play defense. And Omri Caspi has been a journeyman guy that's still trying to find. No, he, he, he is what he is. That's yeah, yeah, he is what he is. I mean, he he was uh, Demarcus Cousins' best friend <laughs> over in Sacramento. If you if you want a good you know, if you want a good uh, YouTube clip, look up uh, Omri Caspi, Demarcus Cousins headband, and you'll you know you'll see the, the epitome of, of friendship right there. So they have gotten better, but you know, it just it's just uh, I guess the question is, how long can the horses keep running before they need a break? Yeah, that's that's very true. That's very because the bench is still thin; it's paper thin. Yeah, the bench is still paper thin, and they they've gone to three straight finals. I mean, that's you know a lot of people look at LeBron and they say, oh, you know, he's been he, to seven, he, I think. He, yeah, but LeBron has been to has been yeah seven in a seven row. Seven in a row. Yeah. So you look at LeBron and you say, okay, so he's played thirteen, fourteen seasons already. No, he's actually played about fifteen or sixteen. Whenever you start to add all the playoff runs that he's had, and this past final, and not just that, he's also had to carry teams at times. So. The yeah. past playoff season, you could tell he he was a little tired. Oh yeah, he was very he's very tired. I mean, he, he'll tell you he wasn't tired because he played forty one minutes. Yeah. But you can tell in the play that you know it's starting to catch. You know, seven seven in a row is not easy. No, it's not. No, that's, I mean, you look at it. It's it's sixteen it's sixteen wins. It's twelve wins to get to the finals. Sixteen to win a championship. Right. So that's sixteen games right there. At, at a minimum. At, at a minimum. minimum. At a minimum. That's sixteen games. You look at. A series going, you know, one series going five games, another series going six games, another series going seven games. You're looking easily at 20 games before you make it to the finals, before you before you win the finals. And that's not even factoring in, uh, you know, in the case of Golden State or whatever, cross country flights. Yeah. So so you you have 
there, there's some wear and tear on him, and I'm, I'm amazed that he's made it this far without a big injury. Um, but Father Time has has never lost, yeah, and right. eventually, you know, the Pied Piper will will come around and ask for what he'd do. And you saw that with Tim Duncan. Yeah, I, I saw that whenever we eliminated the Spurs two seasons ago. You could just see Tim Duncan walking off the floor, knowing that he, he left it all. He out. left it all out there. He had nothing else left. I mean, the guy looked at Stephen Adams. He looked at Ennis Cantor, and he was like. I don't think I can compete anymore. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean like, you know, he was, you know, shrinking away and saying he was scared, nothing like that. But it's just the game catches up to you eventually. Father time cannot be beaten and eventually will catch up to you. Um, Rudy Gay, go through uh, first. A rumored player that the Thunder have been courting for yeah. over a year and a half now. So go through first on a basically, what, two year $17 million? Two year $17 million, yeah. With a player option for the second year. So he basically turns down. Uh, he hops out of a fourteen million dollar yeah. contract in Sacramento to take basically what amounts to about eight and a half each mm-hmm. year. And I, I mean, he's been part of a winning organization before with the Grizzlies whenever he was with them. And I think he wants to go back to that. You know, after he said it was, you know, basically said it was hell whenever he was in Sacramento. Yeah, so I mean, if you want to go ahead and recover from that, the place to go is probably San Antonio. Now, uh, everybody says that San Antonio's got better with this move. Do you agree? I don't. I don't actually. I, I don't. Because first of all, you, you got to make you got to account for the fact that Rudy Gay coming off of an Achilles injury. No one usually ever comes back the same from an Achilles injury. Okay, so he's coming back from that. Tony Parker. Probably won't be available until about January. He heard his, his quad late in the playoffs. Yeah, he had a complete tear of the quad from the patella. Yeah. So that happened in the playoffs. Lamarcus Aldridge, not really feeling it there anymore. No, I mean he was on the trade block. Yeah, he was on the trade he block during the, the draft. during the draft and shortly after. So which is he might not uh, be on the team. He might not be on the team whenever we start the regular season. Supposedly, why Chris Paul was hesitant to sign with the Spurs. Yeah. So. So you have a team that's basically Kawhi and a bunch of everybody. a Rudy Gay that's coming off of an Achilles injury, a Lamarcus Aldridge that might not be happy, and a Lamarcus Aldridge that I'm sorry, but this, the game, the way the game is played now, is not quite as effective as he was five, six, seven years ago, or as he was in Portland, you know, in Portland. Basically. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, I, and you have I, don't, I say, I say, I don't think they're better. And then they're going to come back next season and win 60 games and be the second seed in the, in the West. San Antonio has <laughs> a unique ability, and I guess with the front office, Arctic Buford and Popovich as well, they're able to find a guy mm-hmm. that maybe nobody wants or that coming off an injury, like you say, and basically remind them of what it is that they did well. Yeah, oh and yeah. pump them up about what they did well. Oh, they play, and they only ask them to do that one thing that they did well. Yeah, they, they, and then all of a sudden they make a player play surgeon. Yeah, they make a player play their strength. Yeah, not their weaknesses. And I mean, that's, that's great coaching. That's that's Popovich for you. That's great coaching. Um, but man, I, I don't think they get. I, I don't think they've gotten better. I think they've gotten worse. I think they're a year older. I don't think they picked up any young players. You know, they're probably going to re-sign this all. As yeah, far as all opts out, he's going to do a deal. Probably something I'm guessing in the range of like five, six, and kind of like a Dirk Nowitzki kind of contract. Probably I'm guessing. Probably, but but prolonged years probably. Yeah. But I don't see I don't see how it with with the moves that the other teams in the West have made. I don't see how you can 
how you can say that they've gotten better. So we're talking about Houston trading for Chris Paul, doing the sign and trade. And probably for Chris Paul. Tra- trading for uh, Carmelo Anthony. They're talking about you which know, to me doesn't make sense because Carmelo and Anthony have already had a run and it didn't work out for and them. It didn't work. And you're talking about three guys that need the ball. And on top of that, that see, as much as I'm a fan of Carmelo Anthony, he's a guy whose game would have flourished and would have been amazing in the 90s, in the late 90s, oh, early yeah. 2000s. Yeah, in this game, no. Because he's a guy that, A, needs the ball and is a back-to-the-basket kind of guy. Yeah. And in a game in a, in a game where it's basically, you know, first one to fire and eight seconds win, Carmelo Anthony's not that type of dude. Yeah, no, that's very true. And so, you bring up Carmelo, his team, the Knicks, the current the New York Knicks, yeah, who just Knicks. signed Tim Hardaway for Tim Hardaway, $71 million. Dollars. Four years, 70. So A guy that, if I'm not mistaken, they traded? Yeah, they traded him a couple years ago to Atlanta, and then they just re-signed him again for four years, $71 million. Now, go ahead, get your money, player. Don't don't get me wrong. Oh, I'm not hating on him at all. I'm not hating on Tim Hardaway Jr. I'm trying to see but, if I can get a contract like that. <laughs> but... Dang, really? Of all, I mean, of all the options, maybe you had available. If you had seventy-one million dollars, and that's, that's you're, you're talking about seventeen million dollars a year, basically eighteen million dollars a year. You had that much money to give away. You gave it to him. Well, the, uh, my theory behind all that is that this makes way in order to clear the Carmelo Anthony trade. You think so? I think this is their way of at least facilitating that trade. So using him or having somebody at least in that spot? Having somebody to, to, to step in, in the role. Spot. Yeah. In that money spot. Not only that money spot, but that role to be able to, I guess, pick up the slack for a young New York Knicks team, which is what you're going to have so you're once saying, you get rid of Carmelo. So you're saying this team wants to develop people? They want to develop players? And develop no, what I, and no, no, no. What I'm saying is that they want to get rid of Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, it's it's hilarious that Phil Jackson's number one goal was to get rid of Carmelo Anthony, and he just couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He 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 trash talked in the media. What is ironic is he's the guy that gave him the ability not to do it. He yeah. gave him the he no trade clause. No trade clause. Yeah, sure. That was Phil Jackson. His first move as the president of basketball operations yeah, was to true. re-sign Carmelo with the no trade clause. That's very true. That's very true. All right, so. I'm done talking about bad teams. So we're going to go ahead and end the podcast, end the podcast right here. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. You like our page on Facebook. Uh, make sure you follow the, uh, the Crossover Radio, um, Twitter and, and Facebook. Don't forget the uh, Now That's Thunder Basketball website as well. Yeah, make sure you, you hit up Now That's Thunder Basketball, now that's thunderbasketball.com. Um, but other than that, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you give a, a review if you want to on uh, on the Apple Store, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you. All right.